For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. Burpees, 10 every 10 minutes. So many. <laughs> I, I do burpees just about every morning. Yeah? You still doing nuts fit? Yeah. Uh, no, I've just been doing the Murph once a week. I need to do a nuts fit. I need a nuts fit in my life. Nuts fit has has gotten way uh, nutsier with the sandbag carry, which you're you're already doing. Yeah, I mean you're yeah you upgraded you know? it, but it's pretty soul crushing. Yeah, yeah, but it's an that's an eighty pound bag though that you're using. I only have a forty. Yeah, it's an eighty, and then we do the thirty five pound kettlebells. So we added the uh, kettlebell swings, and then everything you do. That where you can hold the kettlebell. So you do the lunges with the kettlebell. You run with the kettlebell. You uh, do squats with the kettlebell. So you just, you don't put it down until you have to do a pull-up or a burpee or a plank. And then, and then so some guys do the 35-pound. And then uh, the real crazy ones do the 80-pound sandbag with everything. It's ridiculous. Damn. It's, it's I'll be able to send me the updated... Updated nuts fit. I need to give it a shot. It is definitely uh, ridiculous and stupid, and we just love it. <laughs> I'm game. Um, so uh, we can talk about fitness and bore everybody here in a moment. What? Uh, so when I talked to you last time, and everybody very much enjoyed our conversation last time, which was, and everybody, I still get messages about it to this day, and it must have been a year and a half or two years ago, you're about to sell the company and then you got yourself a big old slice of humble pie. Maybe not even a slice, maybe just the entire pie. Maybe like two pies. I ate my pie and your pie and everyone else's pie. <laughs> so the, I guess in short, the, sit, the sale doesn't go well. And then what happens from there? Um, so yeah, that, that was so funny. Cause that first, uh, I guess when you're first starting small company, uh, even the podcast was really s small. I, I'm, sh I'm sure there wasn't as many uh, listeners as there are now. Um, you've just grown so much, yeah. dude. It's, it's, it's cool to watch all the things you've done. And I, I got to say this, dude, for, for the listeners out there, Aaron doesn't really talk about himself too much, but uh, he, he's a savage. Like some of the things you've done, bro. I mean, sub three marathon for one. I don't know how deep you went um, explain that, but that's that's a pretty big deal. Like, and and running it with you, 
and to to really dig deep and get it with seven seconds left, bro. Seven. That's like, you know, when I first started running, they're like, Oh, if you do under three hours, that's like elite level. And, um, and all the other stuff, dude. I mean, if, if you're doing the Murph once a week, if people don't know what the Murph is, usually people do the Murph once a year, maybe, you know what I mean? Like, and you're doing it once a week and just, just crushing it, dude. What else have we done? hundred mile race. Every time I call you, it's, it's mostly like, we're going to do this, uh, this race or like this something gnarly four by four by 44, 48, you know? And that's like the, the conversations I have, I have with you. It's like nothing really to do with dirt. <laughs> the, the no, least. I, well, every time I message you, you're always down. So I, I hit you up this last time to do the grand Canyon rim to rim to rim. You're like, yeah, I'm in. It's not even a discussion. You're just like, yeah, we're we're good to go. Automatic, good. Yeah. Oh, and then how's the um the basic course? <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't believe you're in there, yeah. dude. The same time. I was just absolutely floored. Because you I must know. have been you must have been the last pick. Because when they emailed me when I first yeah I must have been yeah because I found out on uh, Christmas Day and uh, that you texted me I don't know a couple weeks later or something and it must have been the last pick because the guy and his email to me is like oh we 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 found our team we picked everybody um, so maybe somebody dropped out or something and I don't know if he know knew that we know each other like th- I'm not sure if that if if he knew that you know that's probably not. Pretty freaking rad, no, dude. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, there would have been no way he would have known. Yeah, no, I, I applied for those dates for the basic course because you said you had done it. And I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, man, I need to apply. And so I applied. You heard back. And then I heard back. It must have been a few weeks until I heard back. I thought there was no way I got in. I, I'm just still blown away, dude. Like, I, I'm, just, I'm just stoked to be able to, to get picked to do it. Cause I knew it was a long shot. Cause I, I see the guys posts and I messaged the 307 a couple of times. We're like, dude, we go through like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails. And imagine like, I don't know what the criteria criteria of picking people is, but I'm sure there's just a, like a stacked group of resumes, you know, people just, yeah. I'm such a small guy. You know what I mean? Like I'm a nobody from, from nowhere. And and to be able to do it, I'm like, what did, why did he pick, why did he pick me out of all these, I'm sure all these applications that he gets. So I, I was just baffled. Dude. Yeah. I was completely baffled. And it was, it was a Christmas day. So I woke up, um, I woke up 3am or 2am. I'm like, I'm going to do a marathon, Christmas day marathon, just like spur of the moment. And I'm running in the dark and it's nobody around. Obviously it's like super early in the morning. And I look at my phone to change the, the music or the podcast and I see an email I'm like I just click on that and I get the email dude I'm just so blown away like just I was so stoked bro like just made my whole run <laughs> did you when did you decide to do that marathon the day before I did it the yeah the night before <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, Benjamin Holmgren on our team I think he did a marathon Christmas morning too oh no way I gotta meet, yeah. I gotta meet that dude I like him I like him a lot. Good attitude. He'll be with us. He'll be on. He's on the Grand Canyon trip. Yeah, I saw that in the um in the group chat, uh, Instagram. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, this is 
since this is dirt talk, so what? We'll we'll get to where you're at today because you're you're in a pretty good spot, and I'm super stoked for you. But what 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 happened with with the kind of the the shit show that transpired, whatever two years ago or whatever it was? Yeah. Um. All right. So, so we don't have to go go through all the details, but it's like, all right, where were you at, and what was the hole you had to dig yourself out of? Okay. So um, I actually went on uh, Devin Dyer's podcast and uh kind of went through the whole thing um but it's just uh so, yeah. i think it's just a story about um just like peaks and valleys you know especially in business it's never only up i mean you're never only on the high high point of the mountain you know what i mean as, yeah. as an entrepreneur you know i mean just even going through growth it's always up and down you just think you're the best thing ever and then something comes up you're like i suck i can't believe it everything's falling apart but you kind of just stick with it and keep going. And then you learn and you grow from those, those valleys, you know? So, so for me, um, I think the biggest thing I lost was, uh, I mean, a lot of money for one, lots and lots of money. Uh, and then I had to pay everybody back, which was kind of tough. It took me a year to pay every single vendor back every loan, every credit company, my dad, I owed money to, um, clients. I wrote checks, $54,000 check to a client that was, uh, he was super cool, really nice guy. And instead of suing me, he's like, you can pay me back for the damages. So I just worked hard and, um, I had to downsize. Obviously we had, the company was at a, a good, uh, a good, I'd say, uh, size, like just about a 20, 20 employee mark. And, uh, from there you're going to go from there. You're, it's like a middle ground. So if you become from a small company, you go up to like 20 to 50 or a 50, uh, employee company is kind of like a middle size. And for Hawaii, that's a pretty big company. Um, but you're yeah. still small. You're just a middle size company. And then from the middle to big, like, uh, Hawaiian dredging or uh, Goodfellow brothers, they have like a thousand employees or 2000 employees. So there's, there's these huge gaps from small to medium to big. And we were on the cusp of, of, from, from small, we were the biggest of the smallest companies by far. I think even still as a small company, you know, there's a lot of excavation guys out there. They're, they're kind of family owned business, you know, mom and pop, maybe the wife, uh, they have a home office and, and the wife does the books um, they don't really have a base yard or, you know, it's usually run out of the house. So there's a ton of those companies nationwide. I mean, I would say <laughs> tens of thousands of those small guys that just owner operator business. Um, so we are, are, we are like them, but at the same time, we operate on a bigger scale, as, like a bigger, like a medium sized company, because I have an, a, uh, an office manager. I have an office. I have a base yard. It's not attached to my family. It's not attached to my house. Um, I have structure. There's, you know, foremen and laborers. Uh, I have a mechanic at the base yard. Um, and so, so we operate and, and I own everything. So I have every piece of equipment we need to do uh, dirt related things on a small scale. You know, like I said, we're, we're not doing subdivisions. Uh, I had a chance to do that one. I was texting you about. Um, and that I know. That fell through. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> Dude, that was so major. It was going to be 
it was like the perfect situation. And then the guy just canceled the whole deal. And, uh, but I learned, I learned a lot because I spent, um, probably about a month bidding it and just getting, you know, kind of like in that world, it's a whole different world. You know, you move in, going from moving five to 10,000 yards on the job to hundred thousand plus, that's a pretty big step for a company with only six, seven employees, you know? So, yeah. which is, I mean, I, you, I, I would have the amount of, I think we have enough equipment, trucks and trailers and every, we have all the equipment. We have enough manpower. It's just the, we don't have the experience. And once you do that, so it's, it's kind of a trade-off. So like you're a small company, say you have maybe 20 clients that you service throughout the year and they're general contractors, the homeowners to random one-off jobs, you know, one day to one week jobs. And uh, say you take on some subdivision like this and for six months, that's all you do. So all your clients, where, where do they go? It's, you can't do both. You got to be at that size of like 20 employees. If you're going to do private, um, smaller custom, custom homes and those kind of jobs and do subdivisions, it just doesn't work out, you know? Well, and then if you scale up to do the size of projects for subdivisions, now you need to keep that company fed because now you have more equipment, you have more people. So now it's not just getting that one job. It's okay. Now I need to keep getting those jobs to keep this whole thing fed because now you have more mouths to feed. hundred percent, dude, you're feeding the bear and the bear is always yeah. hungry. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my friend's dad, he's, he said, it's like a, it's like living with an alligator in your, in your, in your family room. Like you either keep the alligator fed or it's going to eat your ass. And, uh, I, I have, there's a monster in my living room now that I need to keep feeding and more and more and more. And that's what these people don't get that criticize these construction businesses or business owners or say, why, like, why don't you use this machine? Because it'd be so much faster. You're like, well, they own this machine and they'd have to rent that machine. So, or go buy a bigger, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's just, that's not how business works. It, it isn't dude. Yeah. It's a, uh, it is that catch 22. So, I mean, going through all the stuff I went through, um, I would say I have no desire to get into that middle ground and um, just being content with what I have and uh, and living the life I want to live. You know what I mean? I, I, I want to work my 410 schedule, which uh, I've been true to. My guys love the schedule and everyone we work with, all our clients, they, they're, they're already used to it. They see how much we get done. So if I grow and go to that that next step, it's like, I have to give up that. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I don't say I'd have to give up 410 schedule. It's not the schedule. It's just you, you're constantly, you, you need a bigger office now because you're bidding these bigger jobs that take longer time. You need a, now you got to get an estimator. You need, everything is just bigger, you know, to submit a, a proposal for some of these big jobs, like a hotel job or a county or state job. Dude, it's like binders full of stuff binders bro yeah like you got to get it down to like, what kind of material bring how many tons is it where did you get it from what's the spec on the material like on and on and on and it's just it's so time consuming and then what we found is dude i make more money profit wise maybe a lower gross profit but more net profit with just being lean and mean i think we have like easy seven guys six or seven guys and i don't necessarily have to be in the field I mostly do the back end of the, the, 
the business, you know, office and meeting clients and, you know, the errands and stuff like that, bidding. But um, I have the choice to get, I mean, I'm, I'm an operator, bro. Like it's been 20 years and it's in my blood. I, mean, I can't, I'll never stop operating. So the, the, the enjoyment of running equipment is real. You know, I think any operator is going to say that they just love equipment. But what burnt me out, the reason for selling was the, the business side of it. Just getting yeah. so frazzled, bro. And uh, it's always the same problems, you know, chasing money, bidding jobs, getting under bid, just working with, you know, people with, with less standards or less less morals uh, that I have. And that just gets burnt out, you know, or it just burns you out. So, so like the whole two years, I guess, and, and I knew it would kind of play out this way with with who you are and how you operate but it sounds like a pretty good thing because you got to pair back and it sounds like you're far more content with where you're at and probably making more money right now than where you were before i just don't like contractors everybody's so hell-bent on i need to grow 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 Mm -hmm. and it becomes this trap because now you need to keep growing and now okay cool you used to love running equipment but you kiss that goodbye. Like if you're running a big business, you're not going to touch equipment <laughs> most of the time. And yeah. there's just, it completely changes from what you were doing before to now take on this whole new role where you're operating a business. You're not running equipment day to day or you're not even on job sites anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's the catch 22. I'm sure it's, it's everybody probably thinks about it. So it's, it's totally being about being content with where you are in life with, I guess how you want to live your life and what you need to live your life. Like I, I don't need a lot yeah. of money. I uh pretty low budget and you can tell by my office. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll probably yeah. uh, never enclose these walls. They'll just be uh, open wires and a, uh, and a plywood floor forever. Um, so I, I'm pretty uh, low key. And I, I, for me, what's the most important thing? What's the most valuable thing to you? Well, for, to me, Time is the most valuable thing. I can't get it back. You can't buy it. You can't exchange. You can't trade for it. So what I want to do with my time and my age and everything is I want to, I know I have to work. I have to provide for my wife, my kids. Uh, I have responsibility to my, my guys. So I have that. I have to make money to, to provide for them. But at the same time, I want to have the freedom and the time to live my life. I want to be able to go yeah. do rim to rim to rim. You know what I mean? I, I'm not going to ha- be stuck in a job or a role or own a business that's going to limit me and my time to do whatever I want. At the same time, using the business to, to fulfill the things I want to do in life. But when the business starts running me, then I'm out. I don't care. I'll shut the thing down. I'll sell everything. I, like I said, from the very, very beginning, dude, from it's been uh, 11 years now um, in business. And when I was, when I worked for my old boss, he had everything, um, all the equipment, all just everything was, 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 was good for him growing lots of money, lots of jobs. He ends up getting a divorce uh, and then he loses everything. <laughs> so I'm like, what is the point of that, dude? What make a billion trillion get all the money in the world, have everything, lose your family, lose your wife, lose your kids. What just it that has no comparison. What the equipment, having the nicest equipment 
or having the best family, uh, I know what my priorities are. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, and watching you and, and everything you do and keeping up, it is it, it, like there's this stereotype that if you're a business owner, if you're in construction or whatever it is, you're just working all the damn time. And you're at the beach with your kids. You're doing nuts fit. You're running up mountains. You're saying, yeah, sure, I'll run the Grand Canyon. You're doing, it's crazy how much you do beyond run your company. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think when you get the system down, you know, like I said, I, I only, I do enough to make it run. I'm not in this growth thing. Uh, I did pick up another couple guys, which were, were pretty key for me. I took a couple of rock structures guys. So heads up to, um, anyone out of rock structures, if you want a job in Hawaii, come work for me. Screw that Ryan guy. <laughs> no, just kidding. But uh, I, I saw, I saw that, I saw they left, uh, left Salt Lake City. They got tired of the cold. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's it's so funny, dude. I mean, I know you guys have um, build with jobs and um, and all the training you guys do in the videos. It's it's still really hard to get guys, um, and. Uh, the the best employees I have have been the ones I trained. So like you, um, yeah. you invest in the people and that's really the only way to go because everybody who sends me a resume, dude, I get messages and emails daily. It seems like, Oh, Hey, I, I can do this. Oh, I own this company. I've, I've, uh, have all this equipment experience and it's just, it's talk. And, and it, it might not be where people are lying about their ability. It's just what they perceive as what they can do uh, in their situation and their environment is not on our level of what we see and do. Not saying that we're on a higher level, but you can tell right away when you, you meet an operator. Well, to come to Maui is, is a huge, huge commitment. It's not like, hey, I'm going to drive over from California to Washington. I'm an operator. You know, I can show you what I can do. It's a whole different world. You fly over here with pretty much nothing. There's nowhere to live. You got, where's your car? You got to ship a car over. Um, everything is super expensive, super, super, super expensive. And then say you come out here and, and the first day I, I see how you, you're driving an excavator with your hands and you just, <laughs> you don't, you don't have the speed and, uh, everything you, your resume said, and you, you talk the big talk and it just, I mean, I have, I've had guys like, like, I've, I think I've mentioned this in the, the first podcast we talked, Heads of companies, bro. Guys are like a license, like done all this crazy work, older, you know, 50s, 60s, 30 years experience, 40 years experience. They come here and they're just so slow. They just can't keep up. Yeah. They don't have the, they don't know technology. They don't, you know, they don't run Trimble. They don't do automatics. I'm just like, bro, you are, you're not worth your, your resume. Go retire. You know, I mean, not to be mean, but it's, that's, I, I get those kinds of um, those calls and those, those requests all the time. So for us, just like you, I, if I invest into a guy and it takes me two to three years and I'll train a laborer from not knowing anything like EC, he came from Tonga as a immigrant, pretty much didn't even speak English guy. Didn't even speak freaking English, bro. He, he came with a, a coconut straw hat and slippers <laughs> 
And uh, they barely spoke English, dude. And uh, he's a stud now. You know what I mean? Like he um, was years and years of just pouring into him and, and, and actually just, you know, pe- people learn by having the opportunity. So like for, so for, for not being in un- a non-union company, um, you, if you're an operator for me, you do everything. I, there's no such thing as I only run the dozer. Oh, I only run an excavator. No, you run everything. Skid steer to mini to loader to dozer to backhoe, whatever. And and also you you're not just yeah. an operator. Like you jump in the hole and you're gonna put pipe together, you're gonna shovel. That's what I do. I'm the owner, and you'll see me the first one to get in the hole. So by providing that platform as a company, people can come here. And just by sheer experience and being around it and all the different types of equipment and uh, over the years, you just gain experience. And that, to me, by far is the best way to become a better operator um, and the quickest way to learn. You know, that, and that's how I learned is about a year, year and a half or so uh, for my old boss. I started as a laborer and, and because he had the, the platform, I could just jump in equipment all the time. And just get little bits of experience. And after a year and a half, I could run everything, dude. Like really good. You know, like it, I, I know some people yeah. kind of pick it up faster than others, but it was it was mostly because I had the opportunity. And it really, you know, and it's just, you know, there there's there's no substitute for experience ever. And um some people just need that. That's all they need. They just well, need a chance. <laughs> And I, I think there's a, like a lot of companies are saying there's nobody willing to work, but I don't think they have those opportunities available either. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people that ask me, how do I become a laborer? How do I do this? How do I do that? And there's no good opportunities entry level that's saying, hey, become a laborer, you know, start as a laborer here, but we'll give you opportunities to learn different things. And you can try out different things and figure out what you want to do with your career. You can do it here. We'll train you. We'll invest in you. Instead, they're just saying, well, we're only hiring experienced operators. Okay. Yeah. Well, good luck finding those because they don't exist anymore. They don't exist or they already have their own companies or they work for somebody that pays them really good and doesn't want to lose them. That's facts right there. Yeah. That's just hundred percent. Or you don't, or or you don't want them, like those old guys that you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Or if you're not working and you say you're as good as you are, you're you're not as good as you are. Because if you were that good, you'd be paid <laughs> yeah. top dollar, and everybody would want you, hundred percent. And that's a. Uh, yeah. I mean, we see that yeah. here in Hawaii, but I see that just around like the, the whole country. Everybody talks about it. You know, they're just like, yeah, dude, just. There's nobody here that is is really that good, and if they are, they're taken. You know, when um, Kimo, when you're hiring, if you were hiring a young kid, what would you be looking for in that individual? Like, what do you? I I, I tell people to take initiative, but what does that look like to you? What are you looking for in a, a somebody that doesn't have experience but is ready to ready to work? So I set my standards pretty low. They just get lower and lower because. I, I can't expect too much out of people, uh, honestly, just the younger kids. So for me, I'm like, dude, just show up. That's all I'm asking. I'm like, dude, I'm not asking you to work late. Just show up from seven, be done at five, work four days a week and give me a hard 40. 
I don't care what you do after that on the weekend, whatever, just be here at seven and work all day. And I will teach everything I know. I will pour into you like a cup. Every, I will not hold back any bit of knowledge or experience ever to anybody. If you show that you can actually just show up and not, and here's the thing I go through so many kids, not just kids. I, I would say, I would say young, young men in their twenties, but I wouldn't really call them men. They're just freaking crybabies and whiners. Um, so once I get these boys trying to become men, I say, Hey, just, just give me a hard 40, but just, just make it to one year. That is the, the hugest goal I set for all the guys. I'm like, if you make it to one year, we're throwing a big party, you know, <laughs> raises, I'm going to give you whatever you want, dude, gas card, new truck, just make it to one year because everybody is good at starting something, including myself. I have a billion ideas of what I want to do. So excited about it. But then what happens a month down the road? It's like a new year's resolution. You have to have a mentality of if I start it, I'm going to finish it. So these, these kids, they come and they're just done. They, a lot of them can't go past six months. There's always an excuse. They just, they, it's, and you know, between me and you, I mean, we, it's that mentality. Like, why do we do hard things? Because I don't, I, I don't want to be soft. I don't want to have that. It's yeah. too hard mentality when things get hard and these kids just don't have it, you know? And, um, so when you do get somebody that, I mean, it, and, and I, I give everybody a benefit of doubt and I know, you know, people have issues at home. They have financial issues, whatever they have, everybody has an excuse or they have something. And I know it's hard. So I, I give a lot of leeway, but for whatever reason, people just cannot make it past six months. And I'm like, dude, I, I'm, I'm paying you to teach you something. I'm teaching you a skill that you can take anywhere in the world. Being an operator is a, a skill like a carpenter or electrician. And you take that anywhere in the world and I'm paying you to learn. You just got to, you just got to show up. Just show up, dude. Just, just give me four days. That's all I care about. Four days a week. That's all I care about. And, uh, and, and if, if they, they show promise where they can make it past six months, I'm like, oh, maybe this guy will make it to a year. And then I just say, just keep showing up, Dude. man. That's all I ask. Just keep showing up. Does it, does it, does it get exhausting pouring into people all the time or do you, do you enjoy it? Uh, I, I don't think I'll ever stop sharing knowledge. It's like, why would you do that? You know, if you know something like a, yeah. like a teacher or a coach, just share it. Why would you withhold knowledge? I mean, I've on one hand as an, as an owner, as a business, I've had so many people go through my company and start other businesses. And that's fine because I know I don't own anybody and people are going to do what they want to do. I started my company. I worked for another guy. I mean, I was doing side jobs, working the weekends, working for my old boss and he knew it. You know, I wasn't hiding anything. So people with the drive are going to go do it. So yeah, I mean, it's, I don't get tired of it, man. It's, it's a little disappointing. It's, it's frustrating. I would say like, you know, when someone just quits, um, and they can't handle it. And, and it, I mean, it's frustrating because I know what I do to, but I work hard to, um, keep up the hard mentality because I do hard things and I, I, and it's a discipline. So I think people, if they don't have that discipline, they're just, it's going to show up in their life somewhere, you know, whether it's work or 
personally or whatever, if they just don't have that, you have to be consistent with your discipline, you know? So, well, and, and that's why, uh, to me, and I know you're the same way. That's why physical fitness is so crucial to everything I have in my life is you have that daily discipline of like this morning, I'm not, I'm walking right now because my knee's a little messed up and I'm trying to get it better so I can train hard for the Grand Canyon we've been talking about, but I'm out there and it's like 20 something degrees this morning. I didn't want to be out there, but I'm there every single day because mm-hmm. I know that adds up. You do it for weeks and weeks and months and months, especially when you don't want to do it. Yeah. And then when I have to be there on the days I don't want to be there with with work, for example, which is a lot of days for anybody, yeah. even though I love it, even though it's awesome, most days, there are some of those days where I don't want to be be there, but it's just like, okay, cool. I don't want to be there. Who cares? I still need to be there. So let's get it done because I've built up that discipline through the physical things I do every single day. And then doing those really hard challenges that we've done, like the like the ultra marathon or trying the trying to get under three hour marathon or now trying to go rim to rim to rim on the Grand Canyon. It's just pushing my mind to a place it's never been before so that I can handle adversity in other areas of my life that have nothing to do with my physical capability. 100% dude. Yeah. And like we're talking about um, doing physical things, but sometimes it's not even a physical thing that you need to practice. I mean, just even like a like right now, I, I, every year I take off a month of social media. So every January, it's the fifth year I've done this, fifth or sixth. And it's, it's a discipline of just not being addicted to social media, which, and I do that every week. I, you know, you already know that every Sunday I turn my phone off. So one day a week, I, I try to like, just another way of being, um, like have self-control is by not turning on my phone and, and that that's not has nothing to do with physical stuff, but it but it does help the overall, I guess, mental health of of a person to to really, um, just to, to to be disciplined and consistent, you know. And and that's not a hard thing, you know what I mean? Like there's there's a ton of things you could do. You could say, hey, every morning, I'm just gonna wake up at seven o'clock. I'm not gonna sleep in past seven. Day out for what? I'm just gonna wake up at seven, and I don't know read a chapter one one chapter in a book or i'm gonna go mow the lawn (laughs) you know what i mean like it's those you can do such the easiest thing what's the uh um the military guy what was the famous thing about making his bed oh yeah yeah mcraven admiral William McRaven, Bill McRaven, he, yeah, he got famous during a commencement speech to Texas A&M for basically telling everybody that making your bed in the morning is really the first step to doing anything great in, in life because right when you wake up, you've already accomplished something. And then you get back and you look at your made bed, you're like, damn, I have it together. And it actually, there's so much wisdom in that. And I started after hearing that speech and reading his book called Make Your Bed, I started making my bed for the first time in my life. And it is remarkably satisfying to come back to a made bed and said, you know, thinking to myself, yep, I did that. I'm knocking it out of the park. And it starts with just something as simple as taking two minutes when you wake up to just put the covers on, make it look nice, put the pillows there and then walk away. That's all it takes. 
Yeah. A hundred percent, dude. Are you, um, at this point in build wit, what's, what's the deal? Like, what are you guys, uh, working on now? What's, what's the next phase? Next phase is really doubling down on, on training. So we basically last year asked ourselves, how do we impact the industry in a bigger way? How do we make more of the dirt world better? Because that's our mission, make the dirt world a better place. We're working with 20 contractors. We're doing good work. We're getting the word out about the industry, but we need to be able to impact it in a, a greater sense. So what if, what if we start training on leadership principles? So that's where the whole build with leaders thing came into play. And then we rolled it out into the market. And the market said, this is great. We're going to educate our people on leadership. This is fantastic. We're going to use it. We're going to learn. Great. Jocko's awesome. Marcus Sheridan's awesome. Yes. The Wally's awesome. They're all awesome. But what we really need is we need more elementary type training. We need safety training. We need how to inspect the undercarriage of an excavator. Yeah. We need basic laborer training. So can you do that for us? And we said, uh, absolutely, we can. So that's what we're doing right now. We've already created hundreds of these training videos. We're building a completely custom software product deliberately built for the dirt world, not for residential construction, not for commercial construction, just for the dirt world. And it'll be rolled out within the next few months. And we're going full bore on that. That's awesome. How, so how's the um, reception with all the, uh, with build with leaders and everything you guys done so far? It's been, it's been good. It's been great. I mean, I just got a note yesterday from a guy that said, Hey, I've, I was a foreman. And I got on Build It Leaders and learned some amazing things on there. And I had a bad attitude about my job, but I, I took ownership. And thanks to what I learned from Jocko, I started to um, do a much better job, better job than I ever had before. And the amazing thing is I just beat out some much more capable candidates for this new foreman job. And I'm a foreman now and it's awesome. So thanks, guys. And that's crazy. To think that we created a product that yeah. some guy took and adjusted his attitude, adjusted his outlook on his job, and now got promoted over some people that should have got the job beyond him just because he's been he's become a better leader. That's awesome. That's pretty so, amazing, dude. Uh, it, yeah, it's been and and honestly, even if even if even if it went it, and and I don't know if I should say this or not, but we're actually making we're, we're, there's a plan to make leaders free and get it out to the entire industry without any kind of payment whatsoever, uh -huh. which is really exciting. And maybe I'm going to get smacked for saying that right now. I'm not sure, but <laughs> we want it out into as many hands as we can in this industry. And then this next training thing, it, I, I think it's really going to, it's really going to, and we're, we're really fired up. Yeah. Do you think like what's frustrating for you? Um, is it people like me who just say there's no help and there everybody sucks? <laughs> like oh, all these kids. Um, um, no, I'm just being honest with what I see, and and I'm and I'm totally yeah. into. Like I said, I'm not holding back any information, and I'm fully on board with training and and providing leadership, or even for me becoming a better leader. I love all that, but it seems like guys like me have just been dissing this whole generation for so long. And is that frustrating? Well, you? actually I'm, yeah, it's your no, generation. You're, not frustrating. You're, you're like, you're, how old are you? You're t 
26. Oh yeah. So yeah, you're, you're way younger than them. So yeah, your, your generation is the, <laughs> the generation I'm talking about, but at the same time, yes, you're trying to fix your own generation, which is, which is great. You know? Yeah. I, so I'm not frustrated with people like you because you're, you're still trying to invest in people. And I'm frustrated with the people that say, oh, these, you know, these people don't want to do anything or we have this big workforce problem, this and that. It's like, okay, so what are you doing about it? How are you taking ownership? I don't don't know. They're not doing anything. It's like, well, you can't complain about a problem and not do anything to solve it. Because reality is that's 100% your problem to solve. That's 100% your responsibility that your workforce problem, someone's just going to come and fix it for you. No, that's, that's on you, man. Yeah. And so it's somebody like you, it's like, you're trying to do something about it. And yeah, you're frustrated. And what you're saying is true. And I agree with you. It's like, yeah, these kids, they're, they're soft. They're, they've been raised in this world that's coddled them. Right now I'm reading, the book is called The Coddling of the American Mind. And it talks about a lot of the core issues that have gotten this current generation to where they are today. And it's quite alarming. Yeah. So we do have to look at the reality, and that's why I'm researching. How did this generation get here in the first place? How did they get this screwed up? And then how can we reverse that? Because I'm super optimist. I'm super optimistic because you have so many garbage careers out there, mm-hmm. and we have this, this industry, this job, the dirt world, that's so damn fulfilling. It's yeah. so fulfilling. And when I got into it, I was soft as hell. I was raised by a lawyer. I was going to beach homes every, every, every uh, summer. Mm-hmm. I was kicking it all my life. And then I got my ass beat. But it was a good thing. Mm-hmm. And once I started to get my ass beat, once I got in the trench with the shovel, I was like, holy shit, this is cool. I want more of this. Yeah. And so if we can create those opportunities to get those kids in the ditch, bring them along, teach them how they should be taught. Because I think this generation learns differently from the last generation, and that's okay. Still demand excellence from them. Still make them work hard, mm-hmm. but teach them in a more effective manner. <clears throat> I think we can solve this problem. I think we can do it. Yeah. Well, you're uh, you're doing it, bro. I mean, look at look at you now from what a year or two ago. Uh, leaps and bounds, dude. I mean, how the yeah, hell did too. you get Jocko? <laughs> That was funny. Oh, gee. I know. Well, the, that wasn't me. That was all Dan. It was, I, I Dan, I, I, shit. I remember he called me and I was out in California or something at the time visiting contractors out there. I might have even been with Goodfell at the time. And he calls me. He's like, dude, we should get Echelon Front. We should get Jocko for Build It Leaders. They're like, if we're going to teach leadership, there's no better person to talk about leadership than Jocko. And I'm like, okay, Dan, like have at it, buddy. Good luck. And then he calls me up the next day. He's like, I have a meeting with Echelon Front next week. And I'm like, okay, cool. Still thinking, all right, nothing's going to happen here. He talks to Echelon Front. He's like, dude, they're all in. We're going to get Jocko. We're going to make all this happen. I'm like, holy shit. I actually (laughs) think we're going to make Jocko happen. And then a few months later, there I am sitting in Jocko's studio interviewing him about leadership. Dude, it's crazy. All it took was somebody asking. (laughs) That's it. Well, and and plenty of money, but yeah, yeah, 
<laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't free, but yeah, it was. Um, well, you have to start. It was an awesome yeah. experience. You have to ask. You know yeah. what I mean? Just to take that step. Like, hey, we want to do this. It's not impossible. Let's just throw it out there, and you get the ball rolling just by starting it, just by asking, dude. <laughs> That's it. Well, and I'm I'm speaking to a group of uh, high schoolers tomorrow in in Montana. And that's one of the points I'm, I'm making to this group is, hey, take initiative, take initiative, because initiative right now, like you were saying, just showing up is the standard. So if you can go just a little beyond just showing up, you're going to be so far ahead of everybody else. Oh, yeah. And that's all it takes. It's just a little bit of initiative. Yeah. If I go into a construction company's office today and say, hey, I am ready to work. Give me a shovel. Let me have at it. Ten out of ten times. I will walk out of there with a job. No questions asked. 100%. If a kid actually showed up to my office and, and had a desire to work, I'd hire him right now. Right now, I don't even, yeah. need, I don't even need another guy. But someone that takes that much yeah. initiative where he didn't like have his mom fill out the, the application for him. You know what I mean? Like, you're hired, bro. Come right now. Put you to work. Oh, yeah. Or they, they fill out the application. Well, I, I, I never heard back. Yeah. So you just, you filled out the application online and you never heard back and that's it. Like, dude, if I want that job, I am going to get that damn job. I'm going to go into their office. I'm going to call people. I'm going to message people. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be like, Hey, this is how I can add value to your organization. Give me a chance. A 10 out of 10 times you will get a job. It just takes, and it doesn't even take that much effort to do. It's just a little bit extra. That's all. That's it. Yeah, man crazy yeah man so that's what we have going not too much (laughs) not too much but but a lot there's a lot not too much but there's a lot well we're so we're like you were talking about kind of the sizes of companies and like we're to the point now where we're over 50 going to 60 and 70 Mm -hmm. and they're I've, i've had this happen two days two days in a row this week where someone adds me on linkedin and i'm like oh cool and I look at it and they're working for BuildWit. And I've, <laughs> I've never, I, I, I've never talked to them before. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's, it's really surreal. It's like, holy shit, this is, this is starting to become something because I used to do all of this. And I used to know everybody very well before we sent a job application. And now I don't even know who these people are. Yeah. That's so, funny. One of my buddies, uh, um, he has a plumbing company. And uh, I've talked about them before, but we started our companies the same time, just owner, owner operator, got our licenses at the same time. And he's right there, like 60, I don't know, 70 employees. And he's like multiple islands, not just on Maui. And uh, he's like, yeah, uh, my operations manager hires and fires guys before I even know that they've came and gone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, a kid used to work for us. He's like, really? I never met him. Yeah, he didn't work out. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just a, a, yeah, a reality of of scale. So, I mean, it's like, I, I just, I I respect people like you that are like, I have enough. This is what I want. I don't need to go beyond this. Where where we're at is we have this mission that's big. We want to go somewhat reshape the industry. And to do that, to, to get credibility, we just get a big company to do it. But there's a lot of companies that 
in the construction industry that probably should be, should be smaller than they really are because they're just in this weird middle ground of, okay, so you want to be a big, big time, but you're also getting the shit kicked out of you. Like, why are you working more for less money? Why don't you dial it back a little bit? You can be a hell of a lot more profitable as a smaller contract. Yeah. Almost every time. hundred percent, dude. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's that, uh, whatever, chasing the carrot, you know, it's, it's easy to do because I can even see it now. Like I, I'm not selling the company. So for me, I have to have, it's, it's in or out uh, for so long. I was like, if somebody wants to buy it, I'll let it go. And so I need to, for me, I have, I have to focus. It's going to be hundred percent. You are going to do it or hundred percent. You're not. So I just decided this year, I'm like, I'm not selling the company. Be content, focus on what you have. So once I had that mindset already, I'm having all these ideas and stuff. I'm like, oh gosh, I can expand. I can do this. I need, you know, like, so I, ha- I, you have to be smart and invest in the future of the company. You got to get new equipment, that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I don't want to go back to where I was. <laughs> like I have to remember the lessons I've learned and what I want to do to be content and live my life. So yeah. um, it's a balance, but so what? What's that? Like what, what made you definitively say, um, I don't want to sell the company. That's not, that's not the right route after wanting to do that for so long. Um, I think I going through what I went through. Um, I feel like I have a, a better purpose and I have a better, I have more means to help the community and the people around me. Because I honestly, I probably could sell sell the company and it, it'd be, it'd be a lot easier for me, but I would lose, I wouldn't say influence, but I like right now I have the ability, like there's a big flood that happened on Maui, um, in this South Kihei road. And I think FEMA was called and just a lot, just rain came down and flooded everything out. Um, but I was one of the people that got called and I was, I was helping the community. I have all the equipment. I have the means, I have the resources to do that. So I like that. I like being able to have that in my back pocket. You know what I mean? Uh, I got four acres in my base yard. We started planting um, banana trees and papaya. So farming, I have the ability to farm at my base yard. I can do a community farm. I know there's uh People like to grow food. I like, I like run food. I've never farmed before, but we got like a couple hundred banana trees that are amazing. Papayas that we, I mean, 50 papaya trees that are every single day I can eat a papaya that I've grown from the ground. <laughs> my own base yard. I go and pick them. I can go right now and pick up yeah. a couple papayas. So it's like you, um, what are you going to do? Say this. If, if someone said, uh, Aaron, I'm going to, I want, I want build it. You just, you guys are killing it. Uh, this is a good investment, X amount of money. And you get, you just walk away. You have all the time in the world. You have all the money in the world. Would you take it? It's just right now, it's just not the game I'm playing because I know where this thing can go. And it's, it's not like, I'm not, the money doesn't motivate me at all. Mm-hmm. And I want a, I want a lot of money to live a lifestyle. I, I know what kind of lifestyle I want. I want a lot of money, but I know it'll just show up 
sometime when the time's right. I don't need to worry about that. I, I like money in the business because I can hire more people and impact more lives and create more change in the industry and further a mission. That's why I like it. That's what motivates me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I just want to keep doing more and more and more of that. I want more money. I want more revenue. I want more profit. So yeah. I can keep reinvesting in our company and hiring more people and, and impacting more and more and more lives within the, in the dirt world. So that's, and, and maybe it doesn't sound legitimate to people, but it's like the money really does not, motivate me from a personal gain point of view it, it just doesn't it, it's not the game i'm playing right now. yeah so that being said for you it's kind of the same motivation or reason for me is like i it's not really about the money it really never was about money it's like what uh how can i be useful as a member of my community um <clears throat> as a father as a, a boss you know, you know, a lot of people don't understand as, as a owning a company with employees, it's like your, your extended family, you really become yeah. kind of like a dad or an uncle or a friend or something like that father figure, maybe, um, to some of the, the guys, <clears throat> because you spend so much time with them. You know what I mean? You're, you're constantly working is a huge part of our life. So the people you're around during the work phase of your life is pretty huge so i mean as you know i'm i'm a hundred percent christian i am born again sold out freak for jesus that's what i'm all about so the company truth excavation john 14 6 i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me i name the company after my christian beliefs so once yeah. a week monday morning I have a, everybody comes to the base yard to the office and we sit down for 10, 15 minutes and I start the week with a Bible verse. I say, Hey, this is what I read. I feel like just want to share this with you guys. So I share it and then I pray for the guys for safety for just, you know, keeping us productive and, uh, and safe throughout the week. So that's my contribution as an employer. And that's what I, I, I can control that. And if I sell the company and I'm out, I kind of lose. It's a tiny little thing, but there's a lot of tiny little things that have to do with this company. Um, and, and the community knows that everywhere we go, they see green machines and trucks and they, they're like, oh yeah, you guys helped with um, that fire we had when Lahaina burned down. Oh yeah, that was us. Oh yeah. yeah with that big storm, you guys cleaned out the beach. So, uh, we could have this memorial party for, you know, our friend that died. It was a big storm. We cleaned all the bushes and everything out on county property, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Those are a lot of little things that will keep you in the game, you know, because that's not, that's money. There's no comparison for that. What's, what's money. What's a lot of money going to do me when I don't have those experiences, you know, nothing. It's well, like there's no comparison. And, and the impact you're creating, especially with the, like that mudslide, for example, you didn't have hundreds of machines that you put down there. It was a skid steer and it was a, it was a loader. <laughs> it was actually pretty funny watching what you guys were doing, but the impact you had in those people's lives with the skid steer was a, a pretty big deal to them. Yeah. Dude, that was hilarious because that was a Monday and the county closed 
the county was closed on that day. And there's this massive flood that just <laughs> wrecked South Maui. Um, so we were actually helping the county. We're cleaning county roads with our loader and uh, pushing the mud to, for, for open access on the roads. Us and Goodfellow were the two companies down there. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, but yeah, the county didn't even show up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so people, they, they remember that, right? Like, like people call me and they see it. We're so visual just with our branding. So everyone knows what we're doing. Everyone knows what we've done. Everyone sees us around. So it's, uh, that's rewarding, you know? Sure. Yeah. I like what you said about your people too. I feel like there's a lot of leaders. Well, I'd say managers that it's like a chore to them to manage people and have people working for them. But to me, it's like, it's, um, it's a privilege and it's a really, really, it's probably the coolest thing I have in my life. Cause I don't have a family or anything like that is mm-hmm. the privilege and ability to lead other human beings. And when you approach it like that, it becomes a lot more, uh, impactful and it just, it's so much more fulfilling when you're adding to people's lives rather than looking at it like a chore. Yeah, man. That's good stuff. Well, you need to get. You probably need to get back to it, so we can uh, we can call it a day. I'm eating grapes and drinking uh, sparkling waters and talking to you. I'm not in any rush, bro. The life, the life of cheese nuts, Jimmy <laughs> cheese nuts. I do want to do some burpees, bro. We're supposed to do. That was my plan. I'm like, I'm gonna do ten burpees while Aaron's talking every ten minutes. Well. We'll call it a podcast and we'll do 10 burpees. <laughs> Sounds good, man. I'll do, I'll do 10 burpees. Yeah. Right now? All right. Well, yeah. Thank we'll, we'll, well, let me Let me wrap the podcast up. Thanks for stopping by. Sounds good, man. I'll, I'll see you uh, at basic course. <laughs>